You're locked into the ACC Basketball Degenerates podcast. It's March. We have arrived. A full breakdown of the ACC tournament is coming your way this weekend, so stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. But for today, we thought it would be prudent to check in with the selection committee. That's right, we're changing it up. Don't worry, we'll be back to normal shenanigans in no time, but this is a serious matter determining the field. We need more information on the process. So with that said, we're pleased now to welcome into the podcast Janet Cohen. She is the athletics director at UNC Asheville. Prior to that, she coached women's basketball at Samford and a variety of other schools. But currently, she's in her second year of being on the selection committee for the NCAA tournament. And we have plenty of questions in that realm for her. And we're glad to have her on the podcast. Janet, thank you for the time. Well, thank you guys for inviting me to be on. Uh, I hope I can answer your questions. It's certainly been a very interesting uh, men's basketball season. Now, when you have so much parity in a given year like this, is it more challenging, would you say, given the fact that we knew who the top teams were for the most part last year? So since you're shifting to more of an evenly matched field compared to a top-heavy 2015, do you feel as if you're navigating into new waters as March approaches? Well, you know, my first year, last year, is certainly learning a lot, and, you know, and and that was very interesting. The second year, because of what you said, it's just so different. Every every night, when I, as I watch basketball games and monitor and do what I'm supposed to be doing, you know, you wake up the next morning and realize something else changed. And so hardly has a day gone by where I hadn't gone back the next day and went, oh, just when I thought this was going to happen or a certain team is going to kind of distinguish themselves. And, and you read it, y'all have been reading about it too, you know, whether you're in the number one, the top ten teams constantly are changing. So that part has definitely been different from last year. So how much basketball are you watching on a weekly basis or on a nightly basis? Well, if you were in my office, I have toothpicks holding my eyes open. <laughs> no, um, you know, it, it, I do watch a lot, uh, no doubt about it. And certainly this time of the year, I'm focusing on probably something different than I did when the season began. When the season begins, you're really trying to watch as many teams as you can, and particularly each committee members assigned certain conferences, so you're really focusing on those conferences. And then as the season, you know, each week and each month that goes by, you start focusing on a couple different things. And um, so it, it kind of changes as the time goes by, but besides watching my own Bulldogs play, I go home every night, and, and the you know, and the great thing with technology, because you know, you can record games, you can, you know, I can be riding my exercise bike in the morning and, you know, fast forward through commercials and uh, watch a couple games in the morning even before I come to work. Wow. So I'm doing my due diligence. I take this, you know, having been a former um, women's basketball college coach, you know, you really realize um, how important this is. So you, you know, any committee member, myself and the, and the rest of the guys on the on the committee, you know, this is serious work, and obviously you want to do the very best that you can to be as knowledgeable and up-to-date daily on what's happening. We talk a lot about good wins or bad losses or, or road wins or, you know, neutral, neutral site wins. Is there some specific metric or some specific type of victory or loss that you are keeping in mind or looking for in particular as you're watching games throughout the season? 
Well, you know, all of the committee members, and um, whether it's me or somebody else, you know, we look at so many different things throughout. And, and you're right. And you know, as we're as we're studying, we have different things. You know, besides just watching games, that you're you're looking at who's playing who, when they're playing, is it home, is it away. So the good thing that that I found out, you know, as become as I became a member of this. You know, there's a lot to look at, a lot of different metrics and um, things available to each of us that we can use in helping us to try to determine, you know, is that a really, really good win or was that a bad loss or, you know, was it was somebody injured, you know, and so some of that is also very helpful. As I mentioned earlier, each of us are signed conferences, and so we have these monthly what we call um, conference monitoring calls, and and so you get some really good feedback from the conferences that you as you're talking to them, and and I know the conferences that I'm working with daily send me updated, you know, what's happening, what happened last night, you know, and. Um, so it, it it really is a lot of information, including a lot of metrics that we look at. Um, I personally enjoy really trying to watch as many games as I can to the, to get you know a look of um, you know what the teams look like and you know monitoring injuries and and looking at those kinds of things and. Um, so what conferences are you uh, assigned to or paying specific attention? Yeah, to? you know what they do is each committee member is assigned somewhere six to seven conferences, and then you, you will have, out of those six or seven, um, what you are, you're the primary, and then somebody backing you up, and then I back somebody up. But um, this year, I'm, I'm working with uh, um, ACC, the Colonial, the Conference USA, Sunbelt, the Patriot, M- Missouri Valley. So, um, you, you know, obviously, you, you will not monitor your own conference. So, you know, the UNC Asheville's in the Big South, so that's not one of my conferences, even though I get to watch them play a lot. Um, the other thing, though, that I've learned even from last year, you end up, especially this time of the year, not only are you watching your own conferences, but you're watching teams from across the country, whether they're in your conference or not, because you got we got to get ready for two weeks from now when we're in selection week and – it, you know, it helps to really know what's going on, and um, the committee members do a good job of updating each other, you know, about their conferences and really a lot of good communication. We're on the line with Janet Cohn. She's the AD at UNC Asheville and also a member on the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee. Janet, you know, um, what type of weight is the non-conference schedule getting here in 2016? Many teams have a reputation of scheduling very light in November and December. ACC teams who follow that pattern, Syracuse, Pitt, Duke, those teams generally don't play true road games unless they're forced to in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Is it worth the risk to schedule a real non-conference? And uh, does the committee value it when teams go out of their way to test themselves? Because Clemson is another ACC team I'm sure you're familiar with who really had a hard go of things in the non-conference, and it might um, burst their bubble in the end. Well, you know, once again, you, you mentioned earlier, there, there are so many things we look at, whether you know, your non-conference record and your strength of schedule and, you know, all those things really play into, you know, when you we start analyzing, and, I, and I'm talking for myself particularly, when I'm looking at a school, you know, Cone University, I'll make up, I mean, I look at everything um, mm-hmm. that I can get my hands on and then start breaking it down whether how many you know how many wins they have against the top 25 how many did they have in the top 50 or how many losses did they have 
outside of the top 200. And then I'll even start breaking it down, you know, how they did against their own conference, but also what were those non-conference games and where were they played. And so, I, you know, it is a lot of analyzing like that that goes into determining what I think about a particular school. Um, and and our com- my committee members, um, colleagues, are all doing the same thing. And then when you get together and you're really talking about a, s- a school, you know, there, there's some lively conversation there because, you know, 10, 10 people reviewing a school, you're going to get some good different perspectives, and you might be sitting there and go, "Wow, I didn't, I didn't notice that," and I, or "Yeah, I agree with you." And um, that's one part I've really enjoyed too on this committee um, because you know we all are taking this serious, and we know it's really important. There's some really lively discussion, and and being from a small Division One school, probably one of the things that I've enjoyed most, and I, I try to tell my colleagues, I can guarantee you because I'm in that room, we talk about everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, we really seriously consider because I know sometimes it's been some of this miss. Well, they probably don't talk as much about you know a mid major or somebody, but that's not true. Um, there is some really good discussion, and people will you know bring somebody back up, and you know, and I. I really um once again as as being an ad from a mid-major that part i really went you know that is really refreshing because i know everybody's getting equal consideration okay how about geography is that the biggest monkey wrench you have to deal with because obviously a well-attended tournament has to be at the forefront of the ncaa's mind but you also can't be unfair to deserving teams how does that factor in you know, and I think that's another thing that people have kind of been, you know, not clear about when you when you look at, you know, the seedings and, and where you're placing people. You know, there's some defined principles that we have to follow. And so, you know, that, that kind of thing where people have said, well, they probably put them there because they want to draw a bigger crowd. That's, that's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, we follow the principles that have been established, and that really helps, you know, to make sure it's fair and that the, the teams are placed where they're supposed to go. Can you take us a little bit behind the scenes? You mentioned when you sit down in the room with all the members of the committee. How do you guys start to first winnow down the field? Do you start with a list of 200 teams and then start voting, or do you start with a top 25? How, what's the actual process like when you sit down? to? Uh, yeah, and, you know, and that's a good question because I wondered that last year as a rookie, too. I'm like, how, are we going to look have 351 schools we're looking at, or what are we going to do? And, you know, and once again, this committee's been around quite a while and really refined the process. And, you know, so it, what I found out was usually we will start like, and I kind of, this is, sort of in my mind how I tried to explain it to people, almost forget their tournaments. What do you think are the 36 teams that should definitely be in regardless if there were any tournaments? Because remember, you're going to have those 32 at-larges, you know, that are, I mean, 32 um, not automatic qualifiers, you know, because if you win your conference tournament, you're automatically in. So, you know, you start with that, and then you have, you know, what are some under consideration, some other, you know, um, teams that really that you've been watching, and you go, they really need to be considered for. So, and once again, and and I don't, I can't even imagine how, without modern technology, I, I really admire the people that have served on this committee before, but, the, you know, the good part is we have a lot of computers and a lot of, um, 
information put on screens and, you know, a lot of, of that happening in the room. It, it really does look like command central. You know, there's four computers in front of us, each of us, and all the, you know, however many 40 computers in a room. So you're constantly putting up information and looking at these schools as you're trying to get to that part. And, you know, and obviously when you're in there doing selection week as um, tournaments are winding down and, you know, whoever wins their tournament and you know they're in, you know, they're in that. They're they're going to be in the bracket somewhere. So that also then you start shifting again. How many How many more teams can go in? How many people under that consideration board? And so that's. That's sort of a, what I call the old-fashioned cliff notes summary of what what's going on. And, you know, you're doing that, um, you know, like this year we'll get to the site and, um, on Tuesday and starting Wednesday, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, right up to the selection show, that process is going on until we finally have this, the, you know, all the teams are in, then we start the seeding process to make sure that we get them in the bracket. So last year, it's a, you got to be in shape, guys. I got to tell you, <laughs> this is not a process no for the faint-hearted because it, it is a lot of intense work um, and a lot of endurance because you could be going over and over and over looking at you know teams and you know then going back and saying, wait a minute, let's check that team versus this team. So you really, it is an endurance. Um, week that, you know, you want to be really sharp and, and stay focused on the game um, in, in a good coaching way, as our, a lot of coaches are saying this now, is certainly you got to work the process. Yeah. You know. How much does the committee take into account um, uh, ranking systems like Ken Pomeroy system or, you know, other kind of measuring systems like that? Well, you know, obviously there are a lot of computer metrics out there, whether it's, you know, the BP, the BPI, the Kimpom, you know, I look at all those things, you know, I look at the NCAA RPI, all those kind of things and um, kind of, you know, take a team and look at each of those, you know, because once again, anything that could help you make the very best decision that you can about a team. Um, I think that's very, very important. So those those are some of the resources that, you know, we have available. And so certainly we're going to look at those. Um, you know, and once again, you know, with modern technology, you know, resources we have, you know, right. I told somebody, I said, I got my TV, I got my laptop, I got my iPad. You know, you have, you know, different kind of you know, digital networks that you can go back and look at games that, you know, happened a week ago that, are you know, happened last night. You don't actually have to watch it live. So I, we use all those resources to help us try to make the very best decisions. How are disagreements settled? Have you, have you been in an instance where you wanted to defend a team last year maybe and, you know, you've had to fight someone? How, is it just a straight up and down vote? Well, you know, everybody gets one vote, you know, so there's ten votes no matter what. So, you know, I think there, as I mentioned earlier, there are some really good, lively discussions. Um, and, you know, once again, if, if if there's a, if you cannot be in the room and talk about your own team, obviously. So, you know, if, if UNC Asheville would to be so fortunate as to be a team that's going to be discussed, I would go out. But if we're talking about a team that none of us represent that university, then you've got 10 opinions and discussions to talk about that team and you know and eventually though what happens after a good discussion is you vote and so each you know my vote is just as important as someone else's vote when you're doing that and 
And that part I have really appreciated um, my colleagues in that room because, as we all try to say in, in real life, sometimes you can agree to disagree or sometimes you can just say, well, tell me more. Explain to me why you think that. And then you go, you know, you're right. I didn't think about it from that perspective. Um, and then each of us in that room, um, I joke around a lot. Peter Roby's in that room. And, and Peter can almost tell you the height, weight, how many points. I mean, it's amazing the amount of information he has in his head about individual players. I mean, that's just, you know, he he's a old basketball person himself, you know, grew up in that. So, And so sometimes, you know, you might ask a question to one of the committee members because you know that's sort of something they're really good at, you know, like they're really good at the metrics or they're really good at kind of telling you they know all injuries, they know different players or different styles or they saw a particular game that you didn't get to see. So I think that input that we're giving to each other in those discussions are really good. A fascinating look inside the selection committee with one of the members, Janet Cohn. We appreciate all your thorough answers, and as much as we'd like to chew your ear off for another <laughs> 20 minutes, we know you have to get back to watch basketball so uh, <laughs> so we can have a fair and balanced and the proper field. Thank you so much for, for being a part of the podcast. Oh, thank you. Thanks for inviting me. All thank right. you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay. Well, that was informative. Hope you enjoyed it. We are just about a week and a half away from Selection Sunday. Still a lot of basketball to be played, still many decisions to be made. Join us this weekend when we preview the ACC tournament. The next time we join you, the regular season will have come to a close. We will know if there will be a three-way tie for first, if there's a two-way tie, or if someone wins it outright. So don't miss the next episode of the ACC Basketball Degenerates. Until then, so long.